you know, when we talk about serving, I know it comes with this negative connotation. In our culture, we consider serving as a low position. You know, we have many books on leadership, on how to be on the top, how to begin your own business, how to be your own boss. We, we have books and trainings and videos you can watch on YouTube and everywhere teaching you how, how to be your own boss, how to start your own business, how to be on the top, how to be a leader, how to, to influence others. How, and all those things, they lead us to one thing, how not to be a servant, how to manage servant, how to be on top of servant. The concept of being a servant is not appealing to most people. We, we don't send our children to school so that they can learn how to serve. We go to school to become successful. In other words, to become a boss. Our society does not celebrate servant. As a matter of fact, we don't celebrate servant. We don't see ourselves as successful when all we do is serving others. We don't think that is being successful. Successful, you know. In the times when Jesus was on earth, nations conquered other nations. So weaker nations became properties of stronger nations. They became slaves, citizens of fragile nations or countries became servants of powerful nations. Everyone was a step away from becoming a slave. Even kings were taken into captivity. Even kings. Poor people, people with disabilities, or even women did not have much to say. They did not have much value in that community. People were ascribed value based on their economic status. The more money you have, the more value they give to you. The elites owned slaves. So if you lose your source of income, you could have become a slave. Women became slaves if their husband divorced them. Success was defined by the number of slaves or servants at your disposal. Then Jesus came to redefine success. He gave a revolutionary meaning to the concept of greatness. What is greatness? Jesus came to change the meaning of greatness, the meaning of success, the meaning of being on top. He came to change that. And he said this in Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 30. Luke 22, 24 to 30. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles dominate them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and whoever leads like one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Jesus is asking a question. Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are the ones who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one on me. So that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
in the disciples' mind, like in our minds today, in the disciples' culture, just like in our culture today, the more successful you became, the less you served and the more services you received. Just like today, the more successful you become, the less you do and the more people do for you. The more money you get, the more you pay for things. Jesus taught his disciples, his followers, that the one who serves is greater than the one who receives service. Just imagine you are in that congregation, you are seated there, and Jesus is teaching, and you know you have three or four slaves at home. And Jesus is telling you, the one who serves is greater than the one who receives services. Just, just imagine what you'll, t- you'll think about. So are you, do you mean the guys at home are greater than me? Do you mean the girls I left at home cooking my food are greater than me? That's what Jesus is telling them. So you own slaves, but those slaves are greater than you guys. In my eyes. That blew their mind. Jesus was changing the way they thought about being great. So if this concept is still shocking today... Imagine how shocking it was to the first century mindset. Because even you are shocked by it. You are shocked by it. Why? Because when you go to work, if you have three people under you, five people, ten people, if you are a team leader, or you think you are in charge. But Jesus is telling you, no, those who serve you are greater than you. People are not going to remember how much money you left in your bank account. And how many employees you had. Your legacy is built on the service you render to society. People will remember what you did for them. Not how much you accumulated. What you did, your services to society. Jesus came to give a voice to the voiceless. He came to provide value to those we would never respect and power to those we would never appreciate. Under Jesus' structure, the one who serves has more value than the one who receives service. Let's look at what Jesus said here. But it must not be like that among you. Verse 26. On the contrary, so opposite to what everybody else does Opposite to what everybody else thinks, let me tell you what I think. Whoever is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. Because the culture was not designed like this. Our culture was not designed like this. Contrary to what everybody else thinks or does, whoever is the greatest must become like a servant. Becoming like a servant is an attitude. You become like. It's not something you do. It's something you become. Servanthood is an attitude. It's not something you do. It's something you become. Jesus is making three significant points in this passage. And I will start with the first one. Serving is an attitude. Serving is an attitude. It's not just what you do. It's not ticking boxes. It is an attitude. You change the way you see things. 
It doesn't matter what position you hold in life. You must take it with an attitude of a servant. Even if you are a manager, a general manager, a team leader, a supervisor, a cleaner, a president, a teacher, a husband, a wife, a son, or a daughter, you should hold every position with an attitude of a servant. Whatever position God gives to you in life is so that you may serve from that perspective. It is an opportunity. Let's read Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 to 8. Do nothing out of rivalry or rivalry, depending on which high school you went to. I will stick with rivalry. Or conceit. It seems like you went to the same school. But in humility... Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should took out, should look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Make your own attitude. Attitude. Let's say attitude. Oh, let's say it together. Attitude. Excellent. Make your own attitude. That of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Like Jesus knew he was God, but he knew he was God to serve. His position was not to dominate, for his position was to serve. If I'm given the opportunity to be God for one day, guys, you are in trouble. <laughs> Me, Mike? If I become a God just for a day and God tells me in the next 24 hours, you are God. No, no, I won't tell you what I will do. <laughs> I won't tell you. That's between me and God. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus came with an attitude of a servant and his position did not stop him from serving. A servant's heart is not ticking boxes. You can do tasks without serving. You know that? You can do tasks without serving because serving is an attitude. People with a servant attitude don't do things because they have been told. They find what needs to be done and do it. Some people look at their checklist, and once they finish what they've been asked to do, they go away. I'm done. I've done, I've done my part. I've done my part. A checklist does not limit a servant attitude. A servant finds a need and does something about it. With a servant heart, when you see something that, that needs to be done, it doesn't matter if it's in your, on your checklist or not. You do it because it needs to be done. I, I worked at Specsavers. Just so that you know, I'm not an optometrist. But I worked at Specsavers. Every morning, the manager would give us tasks. When I finished my jobs, I would sit and wait. Then she would come and ask me, Mike, are you done? Find something to do. So my brain doesn't function like that. <laughs> I don't just find something to do. Honestly, I struggle to do things just for the sake of doing them. So I really struggled in that environment to be told find something to do. I was confused. What do you mean by find something to do? 
Then I sat down myself and think, what does she mean by find something to do? And one day I got this idea. Don't find something to do. Find something that needs to be done. Ah, okay, that's what she meant. I should find something that needs to be done. Like I should find needs and meet them. Because you can find something to do. You know, sometimes we keep ourselves busy to show people that we are busy. But we are not doing something that needs to be done. We just don't want people to disturb us. You know? So we keep ourselves in the attitude of busyness. But you are not doing anything productive. Jesus is saying, find something that needs to be done. Find a need and meet that need. Yeah, I know when people don't want to talk to me, they pretend to be on the phone. Greatness is doing the maximum you can with the minimum resources you have. A checklist should not, be, should not limit you. A checklist should not be your ceiling. A checklist should be your platform. You do everything on your checklist, then you do everything else that needs to be done around. When you do what is on your checklist and run away, you are not a servant. If you want to be great, serve. Become a servant. People with a servant attitude use checklist as a platform and not a ceiling. Serve and serve and serve. You know, servanthood is attractive. Every, everybody wants to be around people with a servant attitude. Everyone. We all want to be around people with a servant attitude. Why? Because we all want to be served. It feels good to be served. Marriages break when couples lose their servant attitude. Communities are demolished when leaders forget they are called to serve. The environment is destroyed when companies forget they are supposed to serve their neighborhood. When servanthood is lost, we destroy each other. Families destroy each other. Why do your children fight? Because none of them want to serve the other. And talking about neighborhood, Jesus changed the definition of a neighbor. A neighbor used to be defined as someone who looks like you or someone in your social class. Jesus redefined neighbor as someone who has a need you can meet. He gave an example in the story of the Good, the good Samaritan. Jesus elevated a stranger without a name. We don't know the name of that guy. So Jesus elevated that stranger above a priest and a Levite because they ignored to help someone out of their social class. They ignored to help that guy. The good Samaritan found a need and went out of his way to do something about it. That's an attitude of a servant. You find a need and you go out of your way to solve it. He did not have the money. He even said, you take care of him. I will go and find the rest of the money and come tomorrow to pay you. He did not allow any excuse not to serve. He served beyond his own ability. Do you leave tasks undone because they are not on your checklist? Do you expect people to do something for you because of your position? No, I'm not talking about just at, at, your, at your job, not even in your home. 
Do you expect people to do something for you because of your position? Maybe you are not the cleaner at work. And so you just put stuff everywhere because you know someone is paid to come and do it. And you don't even care how much dirt you put down on the carpet. Someone will clean it in the weekend. Take on an attitude of a servant. Hands on. Okay, serving is gratitude. That's the second point. We owe everything to God. Everything. Psalm 89, 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and everything in it, you founded them. You know, we cannot outgive God. He gave us everything we have. Your breath is a gift from God. Your talent, your job, your family, your skills, and everything in you and around you is gift, a gift from God. You need to understand this. God gave you 168 hours in a week. He gave you 168 hours. He's asking you only three or four in return for his cause. And that's like too much asking. For God to ask you to serve him three to four hours every week, uh, uh, out of 168, you feel like God is, God, that's too much. I can't do that. You know, I'm busy. I work hard. I'm... The least you can do is to serve his cause. The least you can do for God is to serve him. God created us for service. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. We were created to serve. Jesus saved us for service. If you have received Jesus in your life, if you know Jesus rescued you, you are saved. Know that you were saved to serve. You were saved to serve. If God did not take you to heaven the time you Gave your life to Jesus is because there is still job to be done on earth. 2 Timothy 11.9 He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Works do not save us. We are saved for works. We are not saved by works. We are saved for works. God will reward us for serving. Colossians chapter 3, 23 to 24. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically and as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. He will reward your service. Whatever you do, including being a husband, a wife, a son, a son or a daughter, a teacher, a doctor, an engineer, a builder, a carpet, carpenter, a host, a preacher, a musician, a cleaner, on sound, on info team, on projection, producer, prayer team member, kids church leader, hospitality team member, venue team member, and the list goes on and on. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as doing for Jesus because he's the boss and he will reward you for it. Nothing goes unnoticed. 
John 12:26 If anyone serves me he must follow me where I am there my servant also will be if anyone serves me the father will honor him God does not ascribe honor to you because of your title because of your beauty, because of your education, because of your income. God does not ascribe honor to you because of anything else except service. God honors you if you serve him. People can ignore you, your boss may overlook you, your colleagues may bypass you, but God sees everything you do and he will honor you for it. 1 Peter chapter 5, 2-4. Shepherds, God's flock among you, not overseeing out of comp- compulsion, or, but freely, according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is why I do what I do. This is why my family drives to this town three or four times a week. This is why instead of getting some good sleep, I spend long hours praying and preparing messages. I know that when Jesus appears, I will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is why I pray for you by name. I know there is unfading crown of glory awaiting And everyone on our team who is making sacrifices, traveling. Some people come from Kunabarbran, some people from Tamworth, some people come here on Saturday to set up, some people come early on Sunday to set up, some people come here and leave late because they are packing up. Whatever you do, there is a crown of glory awaiting. I'm grateful for that. I'm so thankful to God. I serve out of gratitude for what God has done for me. I serve out of gratitude for what God is doing. And I know God will do more because serving is gratitude. The least I can do in return is to serve him. So finally, the, the, the third one, serving is our aptitude. Serving is our aptitude. You know that everyone can serve. Everyone can serve. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You serve because of the strength you have. You received it from God. The strength to lift up your finger. You received it from God. The strength to talk, to speak, to think, you received it from God. Why not serve him? God has given to each one of us the ability to do something. We all have the ability to do something. Everyone has something. No one has everything. Everyone has something. You have something you can do. You can use to serve God. If you cannot lift a chair, you can clean it. If you cannot sing, 
you can welcome someone at the door. If you cannot stand at the door because of your back maybe, you can help in kids' church. You can do something. We can all do something. We need each other, guys. You know, we need each other. And we complement each other because no one has everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 18 to 27. But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he, to, he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And, that, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members, all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. The work of God can only go as far as Christians are ready to serve. The church can only grow as more significant as followers of Jesus are willing to participate. God can call more people to Jesus as far as we are willing to serve them. Are you ready to play your part? Let me explain that. God will wait until Christians are ready to serve before he brings more people. I will ask you a question as a church. Are we ready to handle 100 more people in our church? Because if we have 100 more people, roughly 30 of them will have a family. That means we may have more, 30 more kids. At least, if we have 100 more people. Are we ready to serve 30 more kids at Kid Church? The reason God doesn't want just to send people to church and then those people will come and be, feel rejected because nobody welcomed them because everybody was busy. We only have three servants. We only have ten servants. God sent hundred. Who will serve them? Who will welcome them? Who will show them the seat? Who will help them to find a way? God needs servant because he knows if you have enough team, he will send people, you will accommodate them. It is our responsibility to build strength and God's responsibility to send people. Will you start serving? Will you join the team to partner with God in what he wants to do in this town? Your decision may accelerate the speed of what God wants to do next. Matthew 9, 37 to 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Jesus admitted that the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The work is vast, but only a few people have stepped up to do it. Will you step up today and play your part? The world is in shortage of servant leaders. Marriages are in shortage of servant spouses. Everyone wants to be served. Jesus admitted that 
his church is in shortage of servants. Jesus himself said it. So I want to say a big thank you to everyone who serves in this church. God sees your sacrifice. Those who travel from other towns to be here each Sunday. Those who come early to set up. Those who leave late to pack up. To everyone, to everyone. Whatever you do, we say thank you. A big thank you. Can you clap for yourself, please? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Someone said this. The church is not built by the talents of a few, but the sacrifice of many. The sacrifice of many, not the talent of a few. Serving is an attitude. Serving is gratitude. And serving is our aptitude 